thank you, Danny and Whitney, for joining us today. It's our pleasure to be here. Happy to be here. Well, as you know, I'm Sam Saxon, and with me is my co-host, Professor Joff Root. Oh, that's Joff Root. Glad you could make it out here. Uh, my apologies for all the discarded coffee cups. I, I haven't slept since November. <laughs> Goodness. But, You're holding up well. Yeah. Well, there, there's a end to this tunnel, and I, I assume it's a bright light. <laughs> Hello. I'm Sam Saxon. I'm Professor Joff Root. And you're listening to Tales Unveiled. Where we explore ghost stories. And urban legends. This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Oki Comics. For another unique exploration of Oklahoma stories in comic book form, check out okiecomics.com. That's O-K-I-E comics.com. With the professor swamped with grading papers for finals, he suggested we do an interview at his office. For the sake of simplicity, I invited Danny and Whitney from the podcast Creepy Caffeine so we could hear their stories. So let's get started. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your podcast, Creepy Caffeine. Uh, yeah, we have a podcast called Creepy Caffeine. Uh, we started it about a year ago. We just had our one-year anniversary back in uh, October. Congratulations. Yes. yes, thank you. And uh, it's been an exciting journey. Basically, on our podcast, we cover, we do a lot of true crime because murder is creepy. Uh, but we also cover paranormal, urban legends. You know, if it's a creepy subject, we want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah sleep mm-hmm. paralysis, stuff along those lines, shadow people. How do you all get started doing that? Uh, it's always kind of been an interest of ours, and we've always been drawn to those kind of things, and those are things that we like to talk about. And I don't know what really pushed us over the edge to actually decide, yeah, we're going to start a podcast. It's just kind of one of those things, well, everybody has podcasts, <laughs> so we should have one too. Yeah, that's actually our tagline on our um, website, is everyone has a podcast, this is ours. So... <laughs> Yeah, so it just, it kind of started from there. We are completely self-taught and, you know, run everything ourselves. And we call ourselves the little podcast that could. And we just kind of keep growing and growing this great little community that we have of of people who like to get together and talk about creepy things. So for newcomers to your podcast, do you have some episodes you recommend to like, hey, listen to, you know, one of these episodes first? Um... If you're looking for paranormal, we've actually gone on some ghost investigations. Uh, We team up frequently with IOKP, which is investigating Oklahoma's paranormal. We've done an interview with them. Yeah, Yeah. they're fantastic people. And uh, we've gone on a few locations with them and and done some some hunts of our own. and, And they were a lot of fun. And I'm actually the skeptic of the podcast, but I'm one of those skeptics I want very much to believe. And so I am always looking for that experience that's going to push me over to the other side and make me a true believer. And I have definitely had some experiences, but that skeptic brain of mine always tries to find that rational explanation and it always outweighs, you know, the, the supernatural. So I, I think it's going to take something walking up and slapping me in the face <laughs> to it really push happen. me over. It, I, it could. I'm pretty much with you on that. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But I, I always keep looking. 
So yeah, we have we have uh, three yeah. different um, investigation investigations episodes. that we've gone on, and and I recommend those. Those are fun. We we have some evidence that we share, quote unquote evidence, uh, and uh, they they were really fascinating experiences. Where did you go? Uh, we have been uh, we've been to Shawnee twice. Yeah. And we've been to the Ritz Theater, and we have been to the radio station building that's down there and investigated several of the floors. And we also went to a tuberculosis hospital in Arkansas and Mm. did an investigation there. And then just recently, uh, back in October, we went back to Shawnee and visited some of the places that kind of was our jumping off point yeah, yeah. that's that's the first place we ever went and experienced an actual ghost hunt and so it was nice a year later to go back and kind of revisit those things and see if we could experience the same things we did the first time around did you uh i wouldn't say we experienced the same things but we definitely had activity both times that yeah, we went yeah uh, at the Ritz Theater, the first time we went, the first real experience that I had that literally gave me goosebumps is we were interviewing a couple of team members from IOKP, and we were sitting in the Ritz Theater, and we were the only people in the theater. There were four of us. And uh, very clearly, something whistled, and it wasn't one, it wasn't one of us. And it was loud and <laughs> yeah you could hear it with the yeah naked it ear. was unmistakable and we literally all just stopped talking and i said did anyone just hear a whistle and uh it could be heard on our recorder we actually recorded it and it was it it was crazy it mm-hmm. stood the hairs up on the back of my neck and it was it was the first experience that i had that kind of as a skeptic made me go huh but then, of course, I start to convince myself, well, we are in downtown Shawnee, and even though that's not a very hopping place, <laughs> especially in the evening, you know, I try and tell myself it was just someone walking outside, and, and we picked it up. And... Yeah. Yeah, so the second time around, we tried to see if we could kind of recreate that experience in the sense of trying to connect with back with whoever whistled to us the first time, and uh, we didn't unfortunately get another whistle but there was plenty of activity the whole night um, as far as messing with the machinery um, we had one of the theater chairs right in front of me rock back and forth um, we had the most interesting experience on our second trip was actually in the radio station yeah, building that's right we were up on the sixth floor mm-hmm. we we're up on the sixth floor what happened there we were we had just gotten up to the sixth floor and everybody was kind of before we grouped together and actually do like an evp session everybody was just kind of walking around and getting a feel for the floor and uh four of us had walked into one room that had a door and someone dared me they said i dare you to go knock on that door well, they first asked me to open it, mm-hmm. and I tried to open it, and it wouldn't open. It wasn't locked. In fact, it wasn't even closed all the way. It was just so was old like that it would warp shut, and you couldn't open it. And uh, then she dared me to knock on the door, and I did, you know, your classic shave and a haircut. And something knocked back, and it was loud, and you saw four girls walk very quickly out of that room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that one... Uh, 
that one took us off guard, mm-hmm. I think. Those have been kind of the biggest ones. There was one at the TB hospital where we were it, we were wrapping up for the evening and we're, we're doing one last portion of the hospital. And there were two teams that had been investigating on different floors. And we were all meeting up to form as one group. And we had walked down from the fourth floor to the second floor. And as soon as we got on to the second floor, we were the last people to walk out the door. And very clearly something behind us coughed. And you could hear it without mistake. And I turned around because I thought maybe another one of the team members was like standing in the back of the hall or something waiting for us and there was no one there Mm -hmm. yeah and And I was in front of uh Whitney and the other person that was there in the hallway and I had she had said did something just cough and I thought it was Whitney and so I turned around I said it wasn't you and she said nope but the location is very well known to have doppelgangers um and I I would swear up and down that it was Whitney's cough. When you live with somebody, you just kind of get to learn their, you know, sounds and noises. And I definitely thought it was it was Whitney, um, but it was not. But we like got it on EVP, and yeah, it was it was crazy for sure. A doppelganger? Have you heard of those? Indeed. <laughs> yeah, they're they're tricky. Uh, doppelgangers are are spirits that will mimic you and uh, they're, they're little tricksters, and they like to fool other people into thinking that they are you. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of our experience. And uh, I believe IOKP had had a previous experience at that hospital with a doppelganger, someone who had mimicked someone's voice. And uh, so it just kind of tied all that together. But it was... It was another one. Those are the three experiences that I can say have literally affected me physically where I get goosebumps and you get the chills and you you can kind of tell it's a little something different. Yeah, which always makes me laugh because like she said, she is the skeptic has been every time every time we have these conversations and she's always the one every time we've gone on investigations that has had the kind of more personal experiences. And I just always <laughs> want to shake her and be like, how do you not believe at this point? Because I'm just freaking out over here. So it always just makes me laugh that every time we go, something occurs kind of to Whitney. <laughs> so tell us about some of your uh, personal experiences. Um, for me, um, we kind of on our most recent episode kind of talked about the first big one that I had. It was outside of our investigations with IOKP, um, and it was it was at an old house of mine that I had um, just recently bought, and I was laying in bed at night, kind of laying there trying to get myself to go to sleep, and uh, the house was, it was older, like 50 plus years, it had been one single owner. Um, we did know that she had passed away in the home, um, but I don't think it was anything of malice, just, just old age, um, and like I said, I was laying there trying to go to sleep. There was about six steps that led up to the bedroom and I heard something step on the bottom step and then kind of run up the rest of the stairs and then stop in the doorway. Um, and <laughs> me being freaked out and the only one awake in the house, I refused to look cause I did not want to see what was there. Um, and that was the only experience that I had there at the house. Um, but, uh, you know, going on the investigations and stuff like that, 
obviously I've been there for those experiences. I've been, we've gone um, to an old submarine that's here in Oklahoma. Um, I was, had my hair kind of touched slash pulled while I was there. This um, is the one in Muskogee? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the batfish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that one, sound-wise, I think was pretty quiet that night. We did record, but I don't think we caught anything um, of significance. But like I said, I was touched there. I've been um, kind of tapped on other occasions. Uh, that kind of seems to be a commonality for me. I don't know why. It didn't happen on our most recent one, but I always do kind of get on my shoulder or it's happened on my back before. Um I have seen things as far as like what I believe to be some sort of shadow figures out on investigations. Um, One that we had at the hospital that I thought was really interesting was the laser grid we had set up. We could clearly see things kind of blocking those off. And that to me, kind of seeing that physical thing is always really interesting just in real time getting to see it. It's a little unfortunate for the podcast because you can't really get that on recording, but it is really interesting to see for sure. Well, we can describe it in depth. How exactly does this laser grid work? So the one that IOKP has specifically is um, just like a box that they set on a table and it's um, red laser bre- red laser beams um, that are a grid and they just kind of blast up on the wall. Um, and that way, anything that walks in front of it, it will, you know, you can clearly see the shadow break the, the light beams um, and it, it fills the whole room. So it's kind of feel like you're kind of in like a thriller movie um but we were basically just sitting at one end of the hallway we had that uh, sitting or facing the other end of the hallway and um i believe if i remember correctly that was the children's floor yes um and so it was kind of we were under the impression that it was you know spirits of of children we had um the boo bear up there at that time and they were playing with that um which if you're not familiar with the boo bear it is just a, a child's bear that you know they can play with it, tickle it, play with, you know, grab its hand. Um, and it also records at the same time. So that was up there during that time. And it was just really, that was the first time I had experienced using the grid. So that was really cool just to kind of see, you know, cause most of the time, especially in the hospital is very dark. <laughs> so it was really hard to make anything out, but that laser grid helped that out. And I, I definitely saw things that I thought were really cool. And that location has been, um, known to have crawlers, which will like crawl up the walls and stuff like that. I didn't see that that evening, unfortunately. I really wanted to, <laughs> uh, but I don't think you did. <laughs> I, it would have been cool. I think you would have had a bad reaction. <laughs> Probably for hindsight, it would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what What was the story with the submarine? Did they have uh, any backstory behind that? Or the batfish itself was used toward the tail end of World War II, and it actually took out. It's credited with taking out three. Uh, Japanese ships uh, but there are no that I'm aware of there were no actual recorded deaths on the batfish so anything uh, that's believed to be there is supposed to be kind of a residual haunt and IOKP has said that they've actually spent the night on the submarine before and um, during the night they can hear activity going on in the in the mess hall and and you know pots and pans clanging and people walking around uh we really didn't have aside from you kind of getting your Mm -hmm. hair pulled and me whacking the heck out of my forehead on one of the doors Mm -hmm. we really didn't have any activity so we we never were able to make an episode out of it but it was it was interesting to be on there i mean we just enjoy kind of the thrill of the hunt just Mm -hmm. being there and experiencing and never knowing if you're going to get anything and you know a lot of it you never know until you listen 
you know, back to your recordings to, to really see if you caught anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I know there's um, a part, there's two parts to that museum out in Muskogee. There's the actual ship, and then there's, um, is it an anchor? I can't remember what it is. Oh, the mast from the USS Oklahoma yeah. that uh, was sank at Pearl Harbor is also out there. Yeah, and I know one part of the investigation was inside of the ship, the other part was out at the mass, and I know that Mandy, who we were with, who's a member of IOKP, had a pretty emotional experience out there by the mass. She had to actually kind of, now she is a medium, so she's sensitive, um, and she had to walk away and kind of collect herself because she said that she was hearing, like, screams and, and stuff like that, so I didn't personally feel much out of, out there myself, didn't hear anything, and like she said, we didn't really get anything on recording, but there was other people reacting um, a lot to that scenario out there. So Yeah, a lot of energy tied to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So a good wide range of the many types of spiritual activity there are with shadow people and crawlers and residual activity. And there's a lot more than we know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been the most surprising thing to me starting this podcast was, you know, you always just think it's just one single thing you're just going to hear something or you're going to feel something but getting into it you learn that it's much grander of a scale when it comes to spiritual activity for sure especially something conscientious enough to try to trick you and copy things that may have heard absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, those are those are the kinds of things that kind of unnerve me is something that has some sort of you know malicious intent that it it wants to fool you into thinking it's something else and you always wonder what what the motive would be for spirit behind that Mm mm-hmm all right. Well, we thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, thanks thank for you so having much us. For having us, absolutely. Indeed. Where can people go to find out more about your podcast? Um, we are available on all the podcast platforms: Apple, Spotify. Um, our main site is Podbean, so creepycaffeine.podbean.com. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Everything's just creepy caffeine, all one word. That's all I can think of. Any final words? stay creepy. The next day when I returned to the studio to edit our conversation with Danny and Whitney, the following voicemail was left for me. Good afternoon, Mr. Sam Saxon. I would like to meet you and Professor Joff DeRoot at the Norman Central Library on Friday, December 13th, 1 o'clock p.m. in the study hall area. I have some information you might find interesting for some future stories. Please do not bring any recording equipment because this is going to be anonymous between the three of us. I do look forward to seeing you 1 o'clock p.m. Friday the 13th. I'll be wearing a long black coat. Again, no recording equipment, please. Thank you and have a great day. As you're about to learn, I did not honor this request. Before we entered the new Norman library, I hit a roadie go mic on myself and the professor. The professor felt uneasy about this meeting, and so did I, so he was relieved that I had these small mics that we could hide on ourselves. We figured, if it turned out to be nothing, I could simply delete the files. No harm, no foul. Our meeting was far from nothing. Good afternoon, Sam Saxon, Jeff DeRoot. That's correct, yes. My name is George Grayson, and I appreciate you gentlemen meeting here today at the Norman Central Library. 
Well, we are always curious to hear what stories you left a rather cryptic message for us at the studio. I'm sorry, did you say George Grayson? That is correct. Hmm. My name is George Grayson. Have you heard of me before? Uh, we certainly have. We've seen that name quite often. Was he a relative of yours? Mr. DeRoot, I am George Grayson. The George Grayson. That's okay, sure you are. Yeah, the, you seem very fit for what would be a, what, 130-year-old man? Mr. Saxon, yeah. I understand that you had a robbery recently, and you were missing one antique clock. Yes, actually. Great. That's something that I was wanting to discuss with you both. Hmm. Now, as you know, originally I was in Guthrie many years ago around the turn of the century. Is this ring any bells as far as historical scope for you? Definitely. I've, I've read that newspaper article. Yes, that was me. Now, I've heard that you find it a little bit hard to believe, but I am the actual George Grayson. I was in Guthrie at the turn of the century, and I actually was available for the citizens to purchase from me spells that I would sell as recipes so that mm -hmm. uh, certain types of activities and wishes could possibly be coming true for the residents. Uh, snake oil salesman. Well, you can call it snake oil if you'd like. I look at it more like perhaps that these spells and recipes were not utilized correctly. Yes, the articles showed you to be some kind of con man, promising blind men you can let them see again. Well, that is true, actually, but again, I will claim that perhaps these spells and these recipes were not used in the correct manner that they were meant to be. At the time, therefore, I was actually asked to leave the town of Guthrie, more forced so, and I moved to Oklahoma City, whereas I have been ever since, and uh, I want to talk to you about the antique clock in which that you have missing because I understand that you possibly, Mr. DeRoot, have one as well. I have certain clocks, yes. Well, this particular clock was from your fiance's antique store in Guthrie. Is that ringing a bell? Yes, Anastasia kept several clocks there. Most of her goods were sold off after she passed away, but I did. And I, I do apologize for her untimely demise, but that's something that I wanted to talk to you about. The artifacts in which your fiance had in her, in her antique store belonged to me originally. Mr. Saxon, I'm the one that took your clock. Okay, sure you did. Mr. Saxon, I understand that you purchased that clock because you knew about the connections in which it had. Actually, I had this conversation with Detective Valerie James about some antiques going missing and people dying, and I had this weird suspicion that the professor wasn't telling me that all these antiques were something that his fiance used to have in possession. So I was kind of basically baiting whoever might be connected to that in hopes of maybe finding out the serial killer. And that's why I've asked you here today. This is madness. Mr. DeRoot, I'm going to prove to you who I am by letting you know I have some information that only 
you, you or Anastasia would know. Huh? Particularly, I understand that you had a notebook in which you had gotten rid of recently. I, I had a notebook that was lost in our explorations in the Chinese tunnels, yes. Did you encounter my pet at the time? What do you mean, pet? pet? pet. And that costume person? That was no costume. That was my pet. And that pet is my guard for my portal down into the Chinese tunnels underneath Oklahoma City. Is that correct? That it could be. Yeah. That's right. Well, Mr. Saxon, I believe that I am going to convince you that I am George Grayson because I took your clock because I needed to collect all five of them in order to produce a spell. And I was wanting to negotiate with Professor DeRoot about getting the fifth clock that I understand that you have. Uh, for my research, you uh, a bit of a suspicious fellow. I've read about you and Overholzer working together. You don't always have to believe everything you read. I believe that you and Overholzer were creating a network. I did work with Henry Overholzer. Back before World War II, I was working with Mr. Henry Overholzer because we were going to be discussing and taking over perhaps the streetcar system to help enhance it for the city's transportation structure. I also learned that once he found out there were consequences to your plans, he cut it off and shortly died thereafter. That is correct. And how he died, I can share with you. But first, I want to ask you if you still have the fifth clock. I may, in a secure location. What can I do to convince you to relinquish it to me? I don't think there's anything you could offer for that. Well, perhaps I can. What would you ask for something like that? And it could be something on an exuberant scale or level. I, I have my teaching. I need have no need for money. I have my research to fill my time. I, there's nothing on this earth Mr. I need. Drew, I don't want to waste your time. The bottom line is, is I would like to get a hold of that clock, and I will do anything I can to get a hold of it. Now, is that a threat? Not necessarily, because I believe that we can negotiate. I understand that you were in the tunnels down below Oklahoma City doing some investigating and came across the Chinese tunnels that were put down there a long time ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you encountered my pet. Indeed. Now that is a true pet of mine who is there to guard the portal and the tunnels. and. I can unleash him to cause quite devastation if I don't get what I want. You're a madman. Yes, I am a madman, but I'm also a good negotiator. Mr. Joff Derude, I'd like to get a hold of that clock. Where may I find it? I will never tell you. I will keep it as secure as my research will possibly allow. Well, as you have been told by myself, I do believe that you know that I have taken the other clock from Mr. Saxon, so that's not going to be impossible for me to get from you. Mr. Saxon, on the back of your clock in which I took possession of, did you realize there were four triangles? Actually, yeah, there was four these intricate triangles on the back of the clock, but I never told anybody that. Mr. DeRoot, did you notice that on the back of the clock in which you possess, there are five triangles? There are indeed. Not that you will oversee them. Well, that's probably what we're going to discuss currently, because I really need that fifth clock. 
Each triangle represents the number of clocks, and you have the one with the five triangles. If I had the fifth clock, then I would have the complete collection that I need to continue what I had started out to do years ago. Anastasia never told me much about her antiquities, but I have a feeling that she really was hiding something from you. Professor DeRue, did you happen to read all of those notes and letters in which Anastasia wrote to you in that notebook? Of course I did. I have them memorized. Do you recall her talking about the clocks in any of the letters? Uh, yes, she had a romantic idea about clocks and time and, and many poems that she wrote in my notebook. Well, I do believe that there is a formula in which she was writing to you about that you probably didn't pick up on. And that's something that I could be happy to inform you about. But I would need that clock to prove it to you. What would I do with your magic? If one just possess the power in which I'm trying to create, I don't think that you would want to deny it. The ability to move into different portals, different times, different places. Sam, I think we should go. Yeah, not doubting that you may have took my clock, but this still is really... This isn't going to end until I get that fifth clock, and I'm going to do what I can to get it. Professor DeRoot, remember Wendell? Well, of course I do. I don't want his demise to be repeated. What did you do to Wendell? I killed Wendell. Wendell was starting to know too much about my formula. How dare you? Wendell was starting to realize in which the combination of the clocks were going to work. I had to stop him, just as though I had to stop Anastasia, because she was starting to investigate the clocks as well. Not Anastasia. Anastasia. Hot poker, I understand, is what they said that the uh, autopsy was. Professor DeRoot, I hope you like the parting gift of sage in which I left on Anastasia's eyes when I killed her. You monster. I'll kill you. Just when I thought the professor was about to leap at this George Grayson, the fire alarm went off. I looked around for the source of the fire, but the alarm went off as quickly as it came on. We later found out it was a mistake. After all, it was a brand new building and they were still working out some issues, but it was during this distraction that Grayson used to escape. Wait, where'd he go? He was here. Where is he? I just looked away for a second for a see where that fire alarm was sound was coming on. Now it's the alarm stopped. Sammy was here. He said he killed Anastasia. Do you really think he did? I don't know what to think anymore. Studios was proud to bring you Season 2 of Tales Unveiled. Producer Dennis Spielman was also the voice of Sam Saxton, along with his co-host Jeff Provine as the voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot. Thank you to Whitney and Danny from Creepy Caffeine for sharing stories with us. The voice of George Grayson was David Moxley. Make sure you're a patron supporter because you'll get super early access to new episodes of Season 3 before it premieres in the fall. For show updates, follow Tales Unveiled on social media and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast for the latest episodes. The voice of the end credits was me, Leslie Spielman, and we would all like to thank you for listening to Tales Unveiled. 
Before we go, I have some advice for you from Ralph Waldo Emerson. There is always safety in valor.